0: Blog Talk Radio Music
1: 1-800-Flowers and one 800 com. I'm your host, Ben Florence. Welcome to the show. Uh, Mike Gardner is currently on assignment uh, again at uh Circuit of the Americas. And uh, beautiful, actually just a side of Austin, Texas. We've got a great show for you. we got a couple of you, uh, young rising stars in the sports. We've got Brian Hennessey the U18 U.S. surfing national champion. We talked about being the best in the country. at The hardy old age of 14. Lord, I can tell you what I was doing on I was 14. It was certainly not that. And then our weekly conversation later on is going to be pro the champion racer sensor Yacht. And he's going to explain his roots in motorsports, how he recently uh, won his championship and how he wants to climb the race to open the wheel and eventually Get to the, uh, the, of course, the biggest open wheel race in the United States, the Indianapolis 500. Like, we also got all kinds of great stuff coming up underway, but you may know if you got your eye on any of the networks, uh, if you're on uh, news networks, uh, ESPN, and a phone network. Roger Goodell having a press conference right now about what's been a fiasco of late, and particularly the Ray Wright situation. having a news conference. And more or less, it's going pretty terrible. Of course, uh, perhaps the most notable part, beyond uh, Goodell, more or less saying, "Yeah, we uh, we got it wrong, there's stuff we need to fix," but he's literally giving nothing of note in terms of what, in terms of
2: specifics.
1: And then the best part of the show, or the best part of the press conference thus far, was when a man who has been identified as uh, one of the writers and a uh, performer on the, the, the Howard Stern show, Benji Bronx, in, who invaded the press conference uh, yelling that he may have to go into an elevator and are running the press conference. Uh, That's some audio. of
0: that.
1: We're going to play it for you right now. Types of people we want to have part of our uh, organization and part of our decision making
0: process. You know? Yeah, Nico Marquez. <laughs> Sorry about that. I had nothing to do with that. You um, know, Marquez from CNN.
1: So there you have it, the best moment thus far in the Roger Cadell press conference, Uh, Benji Bronk of the Howard Stern Show. But speaking uh, about the NFL, and, of course, the recent case of Adrian Peterson, which broke the Friday, last Friday, after we had our show, and we just uh, talked about the Ray Rice uh, situation, the Adrian Peterson situation. again. now what is that? In case you you have been on the rock, which is okay rocks were great. So what happened was uh, Fox, uh, Fox affiliate in Houston, week uh, reported that Adrian Peterson had been indicted for reckless or negligent injury to a child. What did he do? Well, he took a switch, or if you don't know what a switch is, a, uh, a branch off a tree, uh, took all the leaves off, and whacked his, his young four-year-old son with it multiple times. Uh, and it ultimately led to multiple injuries of the child. He, quote, whooping is how Peterson himself described it. Now, the thing is, Peterson and his attorney, Matthew Hart, who if uh, sports fans will remember, he was Roger Clemens' you know, lawyer when he was on Capitol Hill, when he had uh, the Brian McInerney hearings, Do you remember that? And almost kind of the days when uh, Roger Clemens was uh, had some uh, respect as human, but Adrian Peterson, so whatever it was Friday, Minnesota Vikings' his team deactivated him as he went down to uh Texas Seattle. They deactivated him from the, their contest on Sunday against the New England Patriots. They ultimately got crushed by the Patriots. At the, and uh, another from back, maybe, maybe fun fact maybe fun fact stuff to like this But anyway, uh the first uh outdoor game Home Game intended outdoor game uh, since they left the old Metropolitan Stadium just 30 years ago as they're playing at the home on the campus of the University of Minnesota. But Peterson took this uh, tree branch, moved the leads, struck the child repeatedly. Uh, the CBS affiliate in Minneapolis WCCO uh, was able to get multiple, uh, number of pictures of uh, just the laceration that were on the thigh of the Sun and the significant uh, injuries. So the Vikings, unlike the Ravens and certainly unlike the NFL, as we talked about last week, got it right initially. They said, we're deactivating him, we're not playing him this week. But that one was outrageous and it was incomprehensible as far as I can, uh, I can tell. They, just, they decided that although they they decided that they were gonna reactivate him on they reactivated him on Monday, playing him this upcoming Sunday, which is completely insane. They gave the usual defense, well, we're gonna let two cross this carry out, which everyone knows is total total jobs and total nonsense. Because A, if Adrian Peterson was not Adrian Peterson, if there was for example, the other Adrian Peterson who played in the NFL running back, of, but, of course, not nearly a player that Adrian Peterson of Vikings was If it was him, they would have cut him immediately. The Vikings had done this a handful of times. They had guys like running uh, back Aaron Henderson, who was uh, released uh, to be watched for jumping driving back in February, running back Caleb King, who was arrested on suspicion of third-degree uh, assault in May Of 2012. He was released shortly thereafter. And uh, quarterback AJ Jefferson, last November, he was arrested on probable cause for domestic assault, and then they released him. What's the difference between those uh, guys and uh, Adrian Peterson? Well, beyond the hardcore fan or significant football fan, knowing Henderson, he's a decent player. His brother also played in the NFL as well. You've never heard of those guys. Adrian Peterson. NFL MVP, but, but probably the best running back in the NFL. So that's the real reason that the team, their statement was outrageous. It was nonsense. Because they said, well, we deactivated him to examine the evidence. And right now, because, you know, if you're going to let Dupro up, why didn't he activate him in the first place? I mean, it was completely and utterly incomprehensible by the Minnesota Vikings. They ultimately did get it right the day later by announcing that we're going to put him on what is known the exempt-slash-commissioner's permission list, which basically deactivates him. He does get paid, but he is deactivated, and he will be deactivated for, I guess, in the near future as this thing goes out. But the, the Vikings deserve absolutely no credit for getting it uh, right the second time, because they could have done this in the first place. The only reason, and then the was Comico goes like, well, we uh, after a long talked about it that we decided that we're gonna do we're, we. This is what we think is the right thing, which is again not true. If they thought this was the right thing, they would have done it in the first place. It's only because there was a significant outcry that that took them to take this step. Everybody knows that it's it, it's painfully obvious, and it's it's very similar to the Ray Rice thing, and that's where we get to. our next, great NFL story, and you know, as as been noted, as I've noted on the b4360.com, my website, you'll see the site the show later. Uh, we do a recap and all that. You'll see it on b com You also have a podcast on iTunes, all that jazz. But what's incomprehensible, quite frankly, is the idea that, and we go to Ray Rice, what's outrageous is that then the NFL suspended Ray Rice indefinitely after the Ravens cut it. Now, the NFLPA is appealing to it. And Morris Smith, as uh, he's the chief of the uh, executive director of the NFL Players Association, he's, he's gone on the record about And the reason why they actually have a legitimate case, I know it, it definitely sounds crazy to think of, well, they're defending Ray Rice. Well, they're not defending Ray Rice. What the NFL, what Players associations are supposed to do, they're supposed to look at a case and see how it could affect other players, more players later on. What's the problem with the Ray Wright situation? And even though the Ravens and the NFL got it right, but and just like the Vikings, they deserve absolutely no credit for getting right the second time because it took them so long to do it. It's because the NFL is essentially they punished him with a despicable two-game suspension. They gave him that. Everybody knew at some point the video was going to come out. Now, I, I do understand in legitimate arguments, why do they need the video in the first place to suspend them when they knew what would happen? And that's what Kittell said when he had that interview with CBS News last week, that kind of emergency interview he did with uh, Nora O'Donnell, uh, the uh, CBS's morning. But here's the problem. Well, and, and well, actually, no. I I'm, I'm jumping around a little quickly. The, the the thing though is that reading about something or seeing something after it happened is still different than seeing it happen. If I told you, uh, like if you watch a video that a guy's arm comes off, you're gonna be horrified. But if you actually see it, you're gonna be utterly dismayed. You'd have to probably wash your eyes out for. You know, a couple of days or something, or something to watch something that awful. Now again, a bizarre example, but again, but soon more or less. So that that's that. But once the the video came out, then the outrage was everyone knew the outrage. When Densmore reported that there was a video in the elevator months ago, everybody knew that once that video came out, people were going to watch that, and you know it wasn't a great video. Obviously, he's acting out his fiance now wife that. That that got two games, that suspension, all that incident. So, but then the NFL says that Rice did get suspended the second time in for the video. He got suspended because he lied to the NFL. So now you can have your jokes that well, lying to the NFL is worse than punching and knocking out your girlfriend, and you know, there's that. And now the NFLPA is is making the case that is Rice being punished a second time, which there really isn't any precedent for, for somebody giving a punishment, ultimately realizing they botched it, which the NFL clearly did. And that's why you have this uh, press conference with Goodell, which is again um, going on right now. You can watch it on TV. Well, I also listen to the radio and the fanatic radio. So So, basically, their, their case is that is Ray Rice being punished a second time. It's not their fault that the NFL boxed it the first time. And and here's the, the crazy thing about it. Had the NFL, had Roger Goodell, now you can go on about the tape and all that, had they given him six-game suspension, an eight-game suspension, maybe a season suspension, this wouldn't be an issue. It's only because they got, they gave two games in the first place. So it's been a, it's been a disastrous week and a half, the last couple of weeks for the NFL. But let's be honest, they brought it upon themselves. I saw a great line from uh, Jeff Goodman, who's a uh, basketball writer for ESPN, and I retweeted it. He said, "I wish Roger Goodell was my uh, teacher back in the day. Definitely would have bought my quote dog ate the homework story." So that just goes to show how what Goodell's reputation is completely it's completely shattered at this point. Now he said he has quote he have not and quote considered resigning over scandals. This, I mean, I'm not surprised. How many people, would Goodell be the guy? Bill Simmons made a great point, by the way, in his uh, not right comment a week a Year. Oh, if Goodell like, suspended himself, buying himself like six months' salary, if he punished himself, something like that, he could possibly get out in front of this and become a kid. Or if he had gotten involved with the Adrian Peterson thing, if they had suspended him in that while the Vikings more of a had a limbo because it was a mess. So but Goodell who has always been trying to have the reputation of somebody that is complete control of the league, and he's the disciplinary, and he's gonna send a message. Now we have he's at a uh, good uh you got this press conference this news conference. We got uh, a lot of questions, a lot of tough questions and he was not able to give you much answers of substance. Like he talked about Ray McDonald, he talked and he referred to, um, uh, you know, due process. He's like, well, the thing with Ra- Ray McDonald and that is different. McDonald has not been charged. Now, what's but the, it, but it's so comical when Jim Harbaugh comes out and says, anybody that's involved in domestic abuse is off my team, and Ryan we show. And then, but they're letting McDonald play. Now, they could suspend him or they could deactivate him like what they did, uh, make him to the Peterson. And, and what now the heart, Panthers have done with Greg Hardy uh, deactivate him. But it says that basically they chose not to let him play. Now, again, no charges. So... So that that could potentially be an issue With the NFLPA
0: <laughs>
1: Excuse me But The 49ers have failed Because they could deactivate Deactivate them Saying we're going to withhold them from playing In the meantime But They 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 failed As well the great David is a friend of ours, had a, has an interesting point. If Ray Rice told Goodell that he hit Janae Palmer and Palmer was unconscious afterwards <laughs> how does it matter how she became unconscious? So, Goodell, you know, now, but Goodell, what, another thing is that Goodell hired the former FBI director, Robert Mueller, who he mistakenly said was the longest serving FBI director. FBI director, that's just not true. That was the immortal J. Edgar Hoover. God, I don't know what is going on. Right now. <laughs> but it's a mess for Goodell. The concerns with him are not going to win. So now we're going to make a little uh, turn right now. We're going to play our interview, uh, Mike's interview, with the U-18 U.S. surfing national champion, Drissa what she
3: has to She's Brisa Hennessy of the Rip Curl North American Surf Team. Now, she is not your average surfer, ladies and gentlemen. She is the current 18-and-under title holder of the U.S. National Championships, and she is a multiple winner at the National Scholastic Surfing Association Championship in Huntington Beach, California. So how does it feel, Brisa, to be called a national champion?
4: Yeah, it's amazing and I'm so grateful and I just love surfing and I enjoy it so much. So, yeah, and it's one of the best feelings in the world getting cheered up and stuff and seeing all your friends and yeah, very grateful.
3: What was it like the day you won? Uh nervous, butterflies before uh, for your event?
4: Yeah, I get I get butterflies in almost every contest. Um yeah, and I I try to use it to my advantage to just try to surf better and um when I have fun, I always do my best. So I just try to uh, I I tried to have I I tried to have fun at the contest and um yeah, I just had a blast and, and it went my way and I was super stoked.
3: Uh people usually when people are in crunch crunch time situations, professional athletes college athletes, any athlete, they usually try to go to their happy place. And most of that is some sort of tropical island or a a special place they've been to. You live in Hawaii, so you live in a place where many consider their happy place. What is it like growing up in Hawaii and being basically in the land of surfing?
4: Yeah, it's amazing. And just having the water right there and having waves right at your footsteps. And just the people here are so amazing and everybody surfs so you see everybody out in the water and everybody's just having fun and yeah i'm super grateful to be here and like all the pro surfers come to the north shore so i i get to watch them surf and surf with them which is really special
3: special where does love of surfing come from is it just because everyone else did it or were you doing are you doing other any other sports as well
4: Um, I used to take skateboarding, but now I'm just basically just sticking to surfing. Um, I do some art. Um, yeah, that's basically it.
3: (laughs) Would you, so because you're a national champion and featured in Sports Illustrated as well, would you consider doing anything else but surfing?
4: Um, probably just stick to surfing. Um, yeah, I just love it so much and... Yeah, that's basically my whole life right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's a good thing, right?
4: Definitely. I I surf every day, and I enjoy it so much, and I wouldn't trade another life.
3: Because you've won so much, do you feel like the sky's the limit for you going forward?
4: Yeah, um, for sure. I just take it day by day, and yeah, I'm super grateful, and... Yeah, of course. I'm just gonna um, just go all out in every competition and um, have fun and always try my best and yeah, just always enjoy surfing.
3: With every good surfing moment you've had, though, what has been sort of the most hilarious wipeout you've ever had?
4: Um, probably going over the falls really bad and getting a horrible wedgie. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's probably the worst one,
3: <laughs> so other than surfing, what do you do on your free time? because it seems like that you surfing you've mentioned surfing pretty much takes over your life any is there you mentioned also art is there any other you know, activities you like to do?
4: um, probably just adventure around the island um i do I'm a homeschooler, so uh I I do school when the waves are down, so then I can surf when the waves are up. Yeah, just art and just hanging with my family and friends. And, um, oh, also, I love cooking and eating. <laughs> yeah.
3: How supportive has your family been through all this?
4: Yeah, they're amazing. My parents are absolutely incredible, and they're also really good coaches and they supported me my whole life and they're such loving parents and I'm super grateful to have them in my life
3: at any time do they say what on earth are you doing this for or they've been a hundred percent behind it
4: a hundred percent behind it for sure
3: all right uh, she's a bria hennessy member of rip curl north american surf team here on fanatic radio what's next any other big major competitions coming up for you
4: yeah, I think I'm just staying in Hawaii, um, hopefully, for a couple of months. i will be good. Um, yeah, until next Nationals. And, yeah, yeah, I'm super happy to be home, and I love where I live.
3: Who's been your biggest role model? Uh, and especially for a lot of, of the fans on uh, in the surfing world, Kelly Slater is a big name that comes to mind. Who have been some of your idols as you've uh, grown up and uh, developed the talent for surfing?
4: Yeah, for sure, Kelly Slater. He is amazing. Sometimes I think he's just not even a human. He's like a fish out of water. Um, Yeah, also um, Chris Moore and Tyler Wright. Not only do they rip, but they're such amazing people and so down to earth and If I ever became a pro surfer, I would like to be like them because they're so genuine and amazing.
3: All right, and we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, You mentioned you live in Hawaii, so I guess it's hard to ask when someone says, what's your favorite vacation spot?
0: Um,
4: For sure, I love being at home, but I think my favorite vacation spot is probably, like, Fiji. Or Costa Rica, they're they're amazing places, and the waves are amazing.
3: So even ev- everywhere you go, you always want to find a good place to surf.
4: Of course, yeah, definitely.
3: <laughs> All right, she's Brisa Hennessy. She is the girls 18 and under U.S. national champion, and. Once again, you can go to ripcurl.com and search for videos of her national championship run. She was also featured in Sports Illustrated, facing in the crowd, and she joined us here on Fanatic Radio. Thank you once again, Brisa, for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much, guys.
1: Well, how about that? Ah, that that was uh, that was awesome. I always wish I knew how to serve Not much waves in my hometown of Valdell, New Jersey. But alas, you know you take uh, take what you can get. And remember, folks, you can save twenty five percent. How about that on your purchase of flowers and gifts when you use Visa Checkout uh, at for at one eight hundred flowers dot com. You could order there now. You make sure you use the promo code Visa84, Visa eighty four V I S A eight four at checkout. This offer is valid. The 30th of September. That is uh, a week from this upcoming Tuesday. Uh, uh, you are listening now to Fanatic Radio presented by 100 Flowers. Time for a music break. Coming at you. It's,
0: it's Fanatic Radio. This show's a joke.
2: It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio
0: on Block Talk Radio.
1: And we also want to note that our song could today was uh, suggested by a fan of Fanatic Radio. How about that out in California? Enjoy it. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs.
2: With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so he can dip him in bronze and ship him to the
1: Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we
0: ever play on the show is most and R and d And
1: always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success.
0: Escalator style.
1: Yes. See for yourself, check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio.
0: It's it's Fanatic Radio. I have no decision making capability on this program. The reason you wake up on game day and put on
3: your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. And we're back here on Fanatic Radio.
1: Troward by 1-800-Flowers, 1-800-Flowers.com. It's time for our uh, uh, Today in Sports History moment uh, featuring
5: one of the uh, more popular
1: uh, baseball players in recent memory.
5: On September 14, 1990, Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. hit back-to-back home runs for the Seattle Mariners in a 7-5 loss to the California Angels in Los Angeles. Kirk Miss Caskell started the game for the Angels and faced the father-son duo in the first inning. Griffey Sr. was second to bat for the Mariners when he hit the long ball, bringing Harold Reynolds home. Griffey Jr. followed in his father's footsteps literally when he hit his solo home run next. The father-son duo played together for much of the 90 and entire 91 season. Many would-be Hall of Fame athletes have a child who follows in their footsteps. It is rare for the two to be playing during the same season, let alone the same team. Griffey Sr. retired following the 91 season, but his son, who started playing with the Mariners in '89, was just getting out there. The butterflies will never go away when I watch him. I'm proud to see him play. Then to see him play as well as he's doing—that's a dream come true. Griffey Senior said about his son.
1: Well, you can't beat that. How about the? Well, that was, of course, one of the more cooler moments the baseball history. You don't see very often. Uh, a, uh, a parent and a child played together on the same MLB team, and against the California Angels, who then, of course, became the Anaheim Angels. Now they're, and this of course sounds ridiculous, uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Of course, it's a joke, but I like to say the full name anyways instead of Jim and Kareem, so knowing there are the Los Angeles Angels as people now refer to them as was well intended, but. Nonsensical rant aside, it's time for our weekly conversations. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And as always, we've got to give the people what they want. This week, Mike talks with pro Mazda champion racer Spencer Pigot as he explains his roots in motorsports, his recent crown championship, and his desire to climb the ranks of open wheel to race the most prestigious. Uh, U.S. Open Wheel Race. You mean Apple's
3: 500? He's 2014 Pro Mazda champion this year, with six wins, five poles in the 14 race season, and also 2014 Cooper Tires Winterfest champion. Spencer Pickett joins us now on Fanatic Radio, and not only that, you won one of the tightest points races in Pro Mazda Championship history, but you were also fastest in all the sessions at the Indianapolis Road Course during the uh, Indy Lights testing. So it literally has been your year this year.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on the show, guys. Um, Yeah, what can I say? It's been a great year. Uh, It all started off um, when I signed for UNCOS Racing um, early this year, and then uh, we had success right away, like you said, with the Winterfest Championship, and then uh, throughout the year as well.
3: We'll get to the test in just a minute, but I want to talk about your championship run uh going into uh a sort of the Pro Mazda championship getting so, you're signing with a team being in sort of a professional racing format what was it like to go the distance and actually win a championship on a high caliber level racing at you know, pro high profile tracks across the country
2: yeah, it was a great season um you know it's, I've been in the Mazda Road to Indy for a few years now racing the uh, US and Pro Mazda so I was kind of used to racing at the high-profile events with IndyCar, so, you know, that wasn't anything really new to me. Um, I've been in championship fights before, um, you know, I've come up short by a couple points a few times, so um, it was great to finally get the championship, and, um, you know, we had a really strong start to the season. We won the first four races, um, and we had a bit of bad luck here and there and different different tracks, and, um you know, then we won a couple more races towards the end of the season. So, uh, you know, we were quick all year long, which I think is what gave us the championship. You know, always being fast and near the front. Um, but then, you know, Sonoma, it was all turned upside down a few times after getting taken out of the first race, and then, you know, hit in the first corner of the second race as well. So it wasn't looking good for us. But, you know, in the end, it all worked out.
3: Talk about those last few laps. You went from 17th to 5th to clinch the championship. Was that the hardest you've driven in your entire career?
2: It was definitely one of the one of those races, yeah, where I didn't have any options other than to just pass as many people as I could as quickly as I could. So, you know, in a lot of ways it was it was a lot of fun because, you know, you don't always get to pass guys like that. You know, usually starting at the front, you might pass one guy or two guys, but um you know, so it was cool to to be passing people. Obviously, I didn't want to be put in that situation, but um, that's what happened. And, yeah, just totally pushing as hard as I could. And, you know, eventually once I passed Scott, I just, you know, took it easy the last few laps. Just didn't want to make any mistakes. I didn't need to gain any more positions. Um, just wanted to make it home safely.
3: Does it help in, the in like, the Indy Lights and the Pro Monster Championship that there's two events in a weekend because IndyCar is starting to do that now with their weekends but most of their races are just that one race on Sunday and that's it because most of the fans listening see like the NASCAR fans the IndyCar Series fans just see that one race a weekend and that's it did it help especially for uh, you going to Sonoma or any other tracks prior that you won at that there were two events in a weekend
0: yeah
2: I guess You know, you can look at it as a good thing or a bad thing. You know, if you're really quick at a race, at a track, then, yeah, you'd like to have as many races there as you can. You know, um, we dominated St. Pete, so if we could just race there every weekend, I'd be be happy with that. But, you know, if you're struggling at a track, you know, it'd be better just to have one race for you. So, you know, it all depends on how it's going for you that weekend, whether you'd like to have one or two. But I think it's great for the fans, you know, seeing the action – both days um you know they get the junior series racing both days but the indy cars um, on those doubleheader events so i think the fans really like it and uh hopefully we see more of that next year
3: he's spencer Pigot, 2014 pro mazda champion joining us here on fanatic radio what's your favorite track to race on
2: <clears> oh <throat> uh, you know i get asked that question a lot and uh, i don't really have an answer for you. I mean, there's so many great tracks I've been to. Um, you know, there's a few in Canada that I love Mont Montremblant. I race there at Skip Barber, fantastic track. Um, you know, we have a lot of great tracks here. I really enjoyed Barber and Sonoma this year. First time I got to drive on those. Uh, so that was really cool. And then, um, I love the street tracks as well. I'd say St. Pete's my favorite street course, but you know, it's hard to, hard to not like a racetrack when you're getting to, to push, push a car as fast as you can, so um, I don't really have any one favorite, I just, you know, I'm always enjoying it.
3: What's the one track you, sort of a dream track that you'd love to race on? Uh,
2: Without a doubt, you know, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Um, I've raced there on the GP track, the road course, but to race on the oval in an Indy car um, during the 500 would just be, uh, you know, an amazing experience, and, you know, that's what... My goal is to try and be an IndyCar driver and be in the Indy 500. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's it for me.
3: How was the test session with the uh, with the new Indy Lights car? It's a lot of drivers are very excited for that. We saw Joseph Newgarden getting in one NASCAR driver, yeah. Parker Kligerman testing that. But yet you uh, topped all the charts. How was that this past weekend?
2: Yeah, it was great to to test the lights car. Um, you know, it's not the new car that I was driving. I was driving the current the lights car because the new cars won't be delivered uh until later on this year but um, it was great to get some experience in the lights car. I mean it's a lot bigger, a lot faster than what I'm used to, so uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great working with the guys at Schmidt Peterson motorsports uh really good guys they know those cars inside and out they've been working on them for a long time, so I really learned a lot and um yeah like you said we uh we did a good job we were quickest uh both days, and um you know we'll see what happens over the off season and where i'm going to be racing next year but definitely enjoyed my time uh, with the guys at schmidt this weekend
3: what is sam schmidt like uh did you get a chance to talk to him much during the uh the race the, the testing session
2: sam actually couldn't make it out to to this weekend but um i've met sam lots of times throughout the past couple of years and yeah he's a great guy i mean you know what he does uh, with his operation of his two IndyCar, of his car team and his Indy Lights team is fantastic. You know the IndyCar guys are the only team really that constantly is challenging. You know the Ganassis, the Penske guys. I mean, um, really impressive team they have over there. And obviously the Lights program is, has been great over the years. They've won more championships than anyone else. So it's uh, definitely a first-class operation over there. And uh, it was a it was a pleasure to be a part of it.
3: Who'd you say your biggest mentor is on the uh, the open wheel calendar, open wheel series?
2: Um, my biggest mentor, um, you no, know, my dad's been a huge part of my career, so he was involved in racing, um, a few years ago for most of his life. So he's really been the one that's um led me through things and, and talked me through different parts of my career. Um I've got a couple of, uh, a sponsor called Rising Star Racing. That's a group of three drivers, myself, Neil Alberico, and Joseph Newgarden. Um, So that's kind of set up for Neil and I to take advantage of being close with Joseph and asking him as many questions as we can and and getting all the information that he has because he's been there and done that. He's come up the road to Indy through Indy Life and and made it to IndyCar. So uh, it's great to have him there to bounce any ideas and questions off as well.
3: Does it feel uh, feel good for you as a driver knowing that IndyCar has such a, a strong system of bringing drivers constantly through to the uh, the main IndyCar series?
2: It does. Uh, I think it's very you know it brings a lot of confidence to the guys that do well in Indy Lights. You know, you've seen it in the past few years. The Indy Lights champion has gone up to IndyCar and and done really well. Um, and you know, not even the champions necessarily. The guys that are finishing second, third, and fourth. in in Indy Lights, have proved that they can be and be quick in an Indy car as well. So, um, you know, I think this Mazda Road to Indy really does train the drivers properly. Um, We've got a lot of really good cars up to ladder system, and we race it all the tracks. So, you know, you get a lot of experience on the street courses and the ovals, you know, not just what we're used to uh, with the road courses. So you get a good variety, and, um, yes, it's a great program, and we're very lucky to have that here in the States.
3: Have you always grown up an IndyCar series fan? Yeah, I have. I've always
2: been a fan of IndyCar, Formula One sports cars. You know, road racing is, has always been my favorite. Um, you know, grew up watching IndyCar on the weekends with my dad and, you know, got in a go-kart when I was uh, nine years old and just loved it ever since.
3: All right, we'll get you out of here on, on this question. Um, if the opportunity ever did arise, would you choose racing in Europe or... Uh, the IndyCar series to fulfill your dream as racing an Indy 500?
2: I think I would definitely uh, choose the IndyCar. I mean, you know, it's my dream. Being a, an American driver, you know, the Indianapolis 500 is the pinnacle um, for me. I mean, you know, the history that the race has and all the great drivers that have come over to from around the world to race in it. And, you know, it's the biggest race in the world. So to be able to to race that and maybe even one day have a chance of winning is just, uh, couldn't imagine what that would be like. But hopefully, you know, we get to find out one day.
3: <laughs> and we clearly saw that American can do it as Ryan Hunter Ray was the, the defending Indy 500 champion. But once again, he's Spencer Piggott, 2014 Pro Mazda champion, and so far one of the fastest in an Indy Lights car as we watched him climb up the ranks to achieve the dream of racing and hopefully winning the Indianapolis 500 For the U.S. of A. Spencer, thanks again for joining us here on the show.
2: Thanks a lot for having me. That's Spencer Piggott.
1: As I uh, uh, botched his pronunciation earlier, this, of course, is Fanatic Radio. Ben Florence riding solo uh, with uh, Mike Gardner. Circuit of America in Austin, Texas, uh, doing all kinds of action out there. Mike Gardner. As he uh, sails forward now, as uh, somebody like myself, back in school, he's out of school, and he's moving off in the uh, the fun times that is post graduation.
0: You are the height of just too muchery.
1: Straight of just too muchery. So here's how: if you ever are interested in how insanely popular the NFL is, even with all the the disgraceful. Uh, outrageous news, and of course, the other day we had another domestic violence charge against a player, uh, Jonathan Dwyer, who uh, poorly had something with his son, uh, with his wife, and his inex- inexplicably his four-year-old son, uh, four-month-old son, pardon me. That's uh, even confusing, confusion. I mean, you, you can't script this. It. It's just, it's, it's truly difficult. But if But if you're interested. And how popular the NFL is. Last night on Thursday Night Football on CBS and NFL Network, they had a atrocious a game that uh, the Falcons dismantled the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, fifty-six to fourteen. What are the ratings going to look like? You know that neither of them are huge draws of TV teams. Atlanta, Atlanta's a big market. Tampa Bay is a small market. It got a combined 8.5 overnight rating, 6.8 on CBS, 1.7 on the phone network. It dominated, uh, it absolutely dominated primetime last night. It beat Fox, NBC, and ABC combined 17%. You script, can't script that, folks. I mean, it's it's the, the NFL, man. <laughs> Let's talk some B balls. <laughs> Now we're going to talk a little basketball. Uh, The uh, the NBA offseason is still ongoing. But last Sunday, we finally saw a conclusion to the FIBA Basketball World Championships with the United States uh, after starting slow, which had been a common uh, common theme for uh, USA basketball this year. They had a bunch of slow starts all season long. But ultimately, and they they were down 15 to 7 early. They ultimately got their act together. They then dominated through the rest of the way. They even went on an incredible 60 to 22 run to close it out. Your MVP, Kyrie Irving, he was sensational uh, shooting from the outside. He had 26 points in the phone. But was he really the best guy on the team? They, uh, was it perhaps Anthony Davis that will be the MVP? Kenneth Faria, who a lot of people didn't even think he was going to make the team. Kenneth Burrell was sensational um, for Coach Mike Krzyzewski. And all, with all the the storyline of George's injury, Kevin Durant leading the team, the future conversation, will pro players, um, will pro players, or should they, Uh, the stars of the NBA, continue to play going forward. And that leads to what I brought up, Mike Shushevsky, a very interesting column from uh, uh, Yahoo Sports' NBA writer, Adrian Wojnarowski, especially known as Woj, but almost all circles, where in the title of it, the NBA needs to pull stars from USA Basketball, which is showcasing only Duke's coach. And he makes a fascinating article have an insider thing in how Shashevsky has been able to, and to a lesser extent, Beheim, is the top assistant, utilize his role because he was the very visible head of USA Basketball. And use it, you know, it only benefits him rather than NBA players. You don't really get that much out of it, save for Derrick Rose coming back to injury Another other storylines for the to USA Basketball. But now the... You know, you look at it, uh, is is certainly benefited greatly because now he can, you know, rub shoulders with NBA star players. And it, it's helped. It certainly helped him in recruiting. A lot of people don't believe that Jabari Parker will have gone to Duke had he had uh, Krzyzewski. Not been able to sell him because uh, she uh, was uh, without USA Basketball and its access. You know, Shishetsky may not have been able to land a Jabari Parker, who then went on to be the second overall selection in the NBA draft to deep Milwaukee Bucks. So uh, you know Irving was sensational and Davis was awesome. He, he is truly poised to, to take a further leap. And become one of the stars of this league. I mean, he was awesome last year. After a really good look at him, and he took a huge, a big oh, well, not a huge, a big lead towards startup for the New Orleans Pelicans, the uh, the Pelicans. So, so you still can't be that name. I, I, I have no uh, qualms about it, but you can't be the nickname, the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's talk a little baseball. What's going on in the baseball world? Well, it's September, September means the playoff races are very much. But if you look around uh, the the races across Major League Baseball, you already have you already you had two teams that clinched already the division correct. and they're in both <coughs> they're in both uh, uh, Major League Baseball's Eastern Division. That the Orioles with a 14 game lead now. On the Yankees. They were able to clinch the uh, AL East ground. Also, the Los Angeles Angels, who have been strong of late, they're the, uh, the second AL team. The first team overall to clinch the divisional crown was the Washington Nationals. You look at the the, uh, the races; uh, they're not all that. They're not all that great. The best one by far is what's going on in the AL Central between the Detroit Tigers. And the Kansas City Royals, who have not made the playoffs in 30 years, last time they won it was the, the Brett Saber-Hank and George Brett team, the I seventy series uh, against the Cardinals, nineteen eighty five. The last time the Kansas City Royals have made the playoffs, and but they're look poised to so we'll get it right now. That by far is the best divisional race, quite frankly. It's, Half game. that could depend. They bounce back and forth every night. Uh, And both teams are solid. They hit the ball, solid pitching. The rest of the divisional races, Pittsburgh is back two and a half to St. Louis. Uh, I don't foresee, unless St. Louis falls apart or Pittsburgh gets really hot, that that'll happen as Milwaukee really has fallen back. And the San Francisco Giants are two and a half back in the NL West. Behind uh, their state rivals, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And so, really, the only divisional race to really watch out for the AL Central. As for the wild card, of course, now, the last few years, two wild card teams get in. Uh the Wild card race is is kinda it's getting kinda hot in the A in the American League. The Oakland Athletics who you know, I and so many others thought uh, at the trade deadline were poised to make a significant play after they acquired John Lester, they pushed a chip to the table. But they've been starting to play for three and seven the last ten, uh pitching has been Great the offense has been awful. Now what? Is it that has to do with that? you don't want to the pressure of okay? him or whatever, but they're a half game out of that first uh, Wild card spot. They're in the Wild card in the, the second spot. They're a game ahead of uh, the visual rival Seattle Mariners, who haven't been great of late either, but they do have strong pitching. And they, the offense led by uh, Robinson Cano, it's been good enough to help them. And the National League, the Wild Cup races, they're not very great either. I mentioned the Milwaukee Brewers who have been kind of not great, especially after how strong they started the year. They're three and a half back of division rival Pittsburgh, five and a half over the first wild card spot, which of course is home field advantage. The San Francisco Giants. So the, the the races, they're really not that hot right now. It's just just the way it is. And if you look at the, uh, the race for home field advantage throughout the playoffs, uh, Washington has a one game lead on L.A. And again, game, two games on uh, St. Louis. Uh, the Angels uh, were very poised to get 100 wins. They're 95 and 58, so they've got 100 games I believe they have
0: nine
1: left. they do have nine left, so so they go 500. Naturally. No, they go a game over five hundred. Go five hundred four. They're hundred wins. Three games ahead of the the, uh, the Orioles, or the Tigers, where I think they're in the division right now. They're ten games back. Yes, it was the nineteen eighty five World Series. Four, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, before we close, we got five minutes left on the program. We thank you for joining us. We're gonna talk a little.
0: We're gonna talk a little NASCAR. How about that?
1: The chase for the spring cup, we talked about it last week. We had a preview, IMI preview on B4 360. It started on Sunday at Chicagoland Speedway, Sunday afternoon.
5: And
1: as we know, it's basically you win, you advance in the next round. Now, the guy that I picked on the show last week and on my blog, who did, who did I pick? I picked Brad Keselowski to win in Chicago. And who ended up winning at Chicago last week? Brad Keselowski. Uh, I'm giving myself a uh, pat on the back. I know you can't see it. We don't have television. So I look at of my room here in uh, our nation's capital. But I did pick uh, Brad Keselowski to win in Chicago, and I was right. Who's going to win at New Hampshire this week and get a solid berth? I'm projecting, and when I did my predictions, I had uh, Joey Logano win that race. He's very strong in New Hampshire. He's attracted suits of strength. And Penske racing has been unbelievable. They've been tremendous of late. And they still look like the team to beat, quite frankly, in ask NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. But, and it was, it was a tough, interesting race because it kind of still the points still exist. And you got to feel for a guy that me and uh, Mike and me last week said that there's no chance we will get around. Let's pull off the one with Eric Amwell. He was running very well. Surprised a ton of people running at sixth. And that number four, Petty and a Petty Racing car. Uh, Petty Racing Ford the the legend is Petty, and he was running sixth, and you, for a guy like him, a strong finish like that would would certainly help get him in the point <coughs> to advance to the um, advance to the uh, round. <laughs> so, but then the engine blew, and thus uh, he had a had to suffer through a, a DNS. So it was a tough, tough fish for him. And now him and other guys that had poor uh, races last week, is going to be important that now they got to win. It's now the game, which I'm very happy about, is win and move on. I like that. You, there should be a sport that celebrates a game. That, I mean, I, now, of course, uh, the Chase is not perfect. By any stretch, well, it should be a there is reward winning, and that's what they're doing with this format. But and now after, well, there are other guys that you know now they can't rely on the points; they're gonna have to win. With the guys like uh, Jamie, nah, no, no, not Jamie. Pardon me. Why? Why? This? Anyways, I was trying to figure out the standings. I was looking at my website, uh, reference dot com. Alas. It was, it was not to be as we that we are winding down another edition of the one and only America's premier sports music program, Fanatic Radio. We got the closing team cranking to go. We got sixty seconds. Uh, and pardon me,
0: I've had this odd cough. I don't
1: know why. I've tried to drink water by a lap.
0: One so. of our guests, Spencer Diggins, uh the
1: pro mountain champion, Rita Hennessy, U eighteen, U S surfing national champion, Mike getting the guests, and he's getting champions, getting winners. And you gotta love that.
0: You guys at home, check out the podcast at
1: iTunes. Go to blogtalkradio.com you can listen to the whole show You'll listen to me You'll listen to our guests You'll listen to Benchy Bob and Allison's show I
2: hope you get to have the
1: Crush conference You had a great show Thank you all for joining us I am Ben Lawrence Mike, myself maybe Graham We'll see you next week You go to beautiful360.com For the podcast uh, Blogtalkradio
0: iTunes We will see you next week 4 o'clock Eastern Friday we're, we're not crazy We're so much fanatic